that he would come and his race he would run it would end on an old rugged cross but when they laid him in that tomb the power of the Lord went in that church on this beautiful Sunday morning. We're glad you're here. Let's all grab that hymn book this morning. Get ready to make a joyful noise. Brother Ken will lead us together. Brother Ken, you come on this morning. Amen. We're going to be in the red book this morning. Hymn number 346, a song we love to sing around here. <clears throat> hymn number 346, I Know My Name Is There. We'll do the first, second, and last verse this morning. Page number 346. Bye. 
morning, say amen. Boy, I'm glad to see you. Thank you for being here on this graduation Sunday, a day that we set aside to recognize high school, college graduates, and then, of course, tonight, our Awana graduates as well. I'm going to ask James to take us to the throne of grace in just a moment, but I want to give you just a couple of quick prayer requests. First of all, I want you to pray for Chelsea. I shared these in my Sunday school earlier this morning. Chelsea uh, had a significant reaction to some medicine she's on. Uh, she's in rough shape. I'd mentioned Wednesday night that they may have found her a donor. Unfortunately, that did not come through. The donor wasn't a good match, so we're not. Uh, so just please keep praying for Chelsea as she's searching for a kidney donor. Pray also for Sister Reba Boyd. She was taken to the uh, uh, hospital ER and then uh, hospital overnight for some blood pressure issues right before we started. Renee got word that they're going to send her home shortly, so please pray for her if you would. Uh, Brother Bobby up church shared during our Sunday school hour that he had a 25 year old nephew who was tragically killed in a car accident is that right pray for that family brother Cassidy was sharing about an uncle that passed away we had lots of prayer requests downstairs and I know you've probably got others as well I'm going to ask James to take us to the throne of grace let's go as humbly as we know how and ask him to bless our services today son pray for us buddy father we thank you as always for allowing us to be here Father, we recognize that you don't need us to be here, but Father, we need to be here. Lord, we know that you gave us a day of worship so that we could come here and know how much that we as mere humans need you. Yeah. Father, we thank you for giving us everything. Lord, we know that you make the sun and the rain to come on the just and the unjust. And God, we know that none of us deserve it, but God, we thank you for those small simple blessings in life. Lord, we thank you as often we don't for the food that we have every day and the air that we breathe. Father, most importantly, we gather together as a church. Thank you for your Savior, your Son, who you sent to be our Redeemer. Lord, we know that you didn't have to do that. You could have left us to ourselves, and that would have been just. But in your grace, you sent your Son to be our Savior, our Lord, and to bring us to yourself. Father, as we gather here on the first day of the week to commemorate the fact that we serve a risen Savior, Father, we pray that your Spirit would come and help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we pray that our hearts and our minds and our whole beings would be turned towards you and toward the things of your Son. Father, we pray for the, the singing now and for the preaching of the Word to come, that the Spirit would go with it and would work in our hearts what you see fit, God, that we need. Father, most importantly, we pray that if someone is here and they have not bowed that knee to Christ as their Savior and Lord, then, Father, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that, that we may rejoice with you and because of you. Father, we love you, and we will never be able to praise you, thank you, or love you enough. And it's through your son we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Pray for the choir this morning. How many of you would have to say that as you look back over the history of your life, uh, you have been blessed? Amen. Love this song. Love to hear these girls sing it. This is I Have Been Blessed. Hope it, I hope it will be a blessing to you this morning.
saved by grace divine. I'm nothing on my own. Eight mistakes I've often slipped, just come and flesh and bone.
so much, choir. Love that song. Old song, but my goodness, what beautiful words to it. Aren't you glad this morning that when he was dying, it was you he was dying for? Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank you for being here today. We've got a few things that we're going to do this morning before our youngsters head out to Children's Church and Junior Church. Uh, today is Graduation Sunday at Stanley Town's Amazing Grace Baptist Church. It's the day that we set aside to celebrate and recognize those who have uh, graduated from either high school or college. We invite folks to set up tables. Thank you, uh, Michaela. We invite, uh, I'll double your salary this morning. Uh, we invite folks to set up tables uh, to commemorate. Uh, I'll go through. I'm doing Phil because I asked Michaela to go get me a bulletin. I, some announcements this morning first, and then we will do uh, our graduation recognitions. First of all, I want to remind everybody about tonight. Tonight is a Awana graduation. I also have a special thing I need to talk to the church about this evening. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to please be here. Uh, uh, Awana graduation, and then a special thing I need to chat with the church on this evening. It'll be an important conversation, so please be here. Uh, upcoming teen conference information is listed in there. Of course, if you're going to Women's Mountain Retreat, uh, we invite you to please sign up if you haven't already done so. I have a whole list of new information in there uh, regarding this year's Operation Christmas Child. I know you can read, but there's some information there that I want to go through with you. Uh, the first one is all the data that we have included regarding last year's totals. I'm thrilled by this, the total number of shoeboxes that were collected and sent out last year, over 10.6 million shoeboxes sent around the world. Uh, our team that we're part of, which is the Blue Ridge team, sent out 15,000 boxes, more than 15,000. Of course, our church sent out uh, 194. But it is that last bullet that I say praise the Lord over. There were more than 2 million decisions for Christ reported as a result of this ministry. So we praise the Lord for that. Our goal for 2019 is 219 boxes. We're going to try to up it every year, of course. That's 15 more than we sent out last year. So we're hoping uh, that you can help us with that. A couple of ways that that's going to happen. As we did last year, we are going to begin collecting these. I love sitting out pill bottles at church. Amen. Yeah, uh, we're going we're gonna to begin filling these pill bottles with quarters. The pill bottles will be at both entrances. We ask you just to save your quarters. Uh, this will hold about $9, which is the new total uh, that it costs to send out the shoe boxes. That's important uh, because if we send out these 200 boxes, that's $1,800. So we want to try to get as much of that collected as we can. I know some folks are able to include those with their boxes, but others are not. So we're going to try to do that. So uh, as you uh, throw your chains in your jar or ever how you do it. Take your quarters and fill these uh, pill bottle boxes. And then in any offering, once you've got it full, just throw it in the offering plate. And the ushers know what to do with it. This gets set aside for our Operation Christmas Child boxes. Uh, uh, so please help us out with that. And then there are going to be a couple of craft days this year. Uh, some of the ladies have expressed an interest and a willingness to help out in this capacity to make some of the things that will be included in the shoe boxes. I've got the dates listed there, June the 17th and July the 22nd. This is for girls, lady, or anybody, really. Uh, but it's purposely done uh, when school is out in case any of the youngsters want to be involved. We'll give you the time shortly. Miss Pam is going to meet right after church this morning, right over here, with any of the ladies who would be willing to find out that information. Uh, I don't think this requires a great deal of crafty skill set. You don't have to know how to crochet or knit or anything like that. 
in order to take part in this. If you're not able to come those days, they'll tell you what's going on so that you can help from home. But if you'll give us five minutes right after service this morning, help me remember that, please, Brother Ken, that the ladies need to meet. Any willing and interested ladies, meet right over here right after church. All right. It is my pleasure this morning to uh, uh, celebrate and commemorate our uh, SAGBC graduates this year. Uh, we're so proud of these young folks. Not only are we proud of their accomplishments, but we are proud of the fact of their stand for the Lord. This is not an easy time to be a young Christian. Amen. Uh, pressure's all around. We get it. We know it. We understand it. So praise the Lord for, in, for the stand these folks take. Two of them have uh, set up tables. I encourage you to come by today and take a look at these uh, tables and all the accomplishments of these two. These are two young ladies. Interestingly, both of these young ladies are graduating from high school, and they're simultaneously graduating from Patrick Henry Community College with their associate's degree. I think that deserves a round of applause. So we're actually going to start with the two of them this morning. Our first graduate, and this is just an alphabetical order for these two. Uh, this young lady was born and raised in this church, and it's a blessing to see her graduate again from Bassett High School and then also Patrick Henry Community College, Kara Helbert. Come on, Kara. Congratulations, sweetheart. Mighty proud of you. Yes, yeah, I'll stand up beside of her. <laughs> you got it? Stay there. Amen. Good night, that girl's tall. All right. Our next graduate uh, uh, is uh, also graduated from Bassett. Did you graduate from Bassett? From Bassett and also from Patrick Henry Community College, Faith Up Church. Come on, Faith. Congratulations, young lady. And then we've got a couple of other graduates of uh, different uh, uh, things that I'll share with you. They opted not to set up tables, which is certainly fine. Very proud of this young man. Bassett High School, Noah Lester. Come on, Noah. Congratulations, young man. Appreciate you, buddy. Stand right there if you would. I believe John. Is John standing? I don't see John. All right. And then, whoops, hold on. What does your card say? So does this one. Oh, my. <laughs> They are all the same inside. So, all right. Uh, this next young lady graduated from Patrick Henry Community College uh, and has already got a job in her chosen field. Bethany Craig, come on, Bethany. Congratulations! Ignore the fact that that says Kara Helbert. <laughs> No, that doesn't mean you get two. Stay right there. <laughs> and then uh, this young man uh, has graduated from Liberty with his bachelor's degree in elementary education and ministry. Have no idea where we got that idea. James Hodges. Congratulations, buddy. All right. All five of y'all, come on in. I don't see... Here, you get one, too. All right. I don't... Josh Stone is not here. John Stone's not here, is he? All right. Smile up there if you want. All right, give these folks one more round of applause. 
All right, very good. All the little ones, if you'll make your way up this morning, if you're heading to Children's Church or Junior Church, you come on this morning. Everybody heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, uh, you come on this morning. They're going to come around and collect any loose change that you've got. This is our pity march. You be as generous as you possibly can. Amen. Thank you so much as always. Quick correction, these pill bottles actually will have, hold almost $14 instead of the 11 that I told you. So every time you fill one up, you're giving us about one and a fourth. Uh, so we appreciate that so very much. All right, fellas, make your way down if you would. Helbert family, you all come get ready to sing, whichever one of you all are singing. Uh, you be obedient unto the Lord uh, and uh, give generously this morning. And God will bless you for that. I'm going to pray and ask God's blessings upon the offering. And we always thank you for your faithfulness in this ministry. Lord, thank you for the day and for the blessings of the day. Beautiful day you've given us to worship you. We praise you for that. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our services today. Lord, bless this offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. In the sweet, sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
washed off its wounds and then washed its soar into the sky. If he's mindful of creation on this eye-candy pen, I am his child.
Amen. Let's all stand together for a fellowship song. We all know the song very well. I'll fly away. We'll do the verse, verse, and chorus, page 333 in the red book. Hymn number 333, I'll fly away. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore.
you so much for your kindness towards each other, as always, and fellowshipping with one another. There are two places that I want to invite you to turn uh, in your Bibles this morning. Two places. First of all, please turn with me to Psalm 142. Psalm 142. And then also turn, if you would, and we will actually be at this place first, 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22, and then Psalm 142. My uh, wife has developed, this will put a smile on your face, my wife has developed a head cold uh, as we were gone this past week, and uh, she has laryngitis, so she walked in this morning and was shaking hands, and, and Brother Tim said, good morning, and Renee said, good morning, and Tim said, do you have laryngitis? And he said, she said, yes, sir, and he went... Praise the Lord. Praise. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Preach out a little while, right? <laughs> Amen. First Samuel chapter 22 is where we will begin. The story opens when David has fled from King Saul. I'll remind you that David was the heir apparent of the nation of Israel. He had already been crowned as the next king. Not only, I shouldn't say crowned, he'd already been anointed and declared to be the next king. We would call him in our vernacular today the crown prince of Israel, waiting for the day that he would assume the throne. And of course, if you've read your Bible, you know that Saul, the king, was incredibly jealous. Many scholars believe that Saul likely even went mad and was chasing in an attempt to kill David. So now David is on the run for nothing other than the fact he's been anointed the future king. During this running process, we read in second, 1 Samuel chapter 22, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. When his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. He became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. David went thence to Mizpah of Moab. said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. He brought them before the king of Moab. They dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. The word hold literally means the cave. Now put your bookmarker there. Flip over to Psalm 142. Psalm 142. If you have a reference Bible of any sort, it probably tells you that this is a prayer or a psalm that David wrote or prayed while he was in the cave. So the experience that is described in 1 Samuel chapter 22 led to a song that David would pen or a prayer 
that David would write to words. He says in Psalm 142, while, while living in the cave, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Notice verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. Notice the last clause. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for what it stands for, what it means, what it represents. Lord, I pray your blessings upon services this morning, upon the preaching hour. Lord, I pray that you would impart words that need to be spoken. Lord, may I not say anything that shouldn't be and everything that should be. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me of any unconfessed sin that would stand in the way of you speaking through the words this morning. Lord, we've already said it, but I'll say it again. If there's anyone not saved today, may this be the day and the hour that you send the Holy Spirit to convict that heart that they might accept you. And Lord, I pray that all of us would be closer to you when we walk out of here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to begin the message with a very simple question. Have you ever been overwhelmed by life? Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you look around and you think, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what decision to make. Our choir sings a song that Kyla wrote that I think beautifully describes that situation. In the course of the message this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself. Something that I don't often do, candidly. But I've got some illustrations that frankly are from my life, my experience that I'll be talking about this morning. Some of these illustrations that if you've been with us any length of time, you know about. They're, they're part of your experience because you lived it with us. But I also recognize that there's a lot of folks who candidly don't know what God did for me some 15 years ago. The song that our choir sings starts out by saying, I want to know him better. I want to walk closer. I want to learn about the heart 
that was broken for me. First time Kyla ever sang that song was at Amazing Grace Baptist Church. It was in 2004, candidly. I know this because I had just accepted a position at Patrick Henry, excuse me, 2005. I had one year completed a position at Patrick Henry Community College. She sang this song for us at a ladies' uh, meeting, the second one she did, ladies' um, retreat at our church. And it, it tore me up. I was at the altar wailing and crying because of what I was facing candidly. And we had lots of ladies gathered around. But um, I asked her afterwards, and I said, Kyla, that, the, those words are just incredible. Why has no one ever recorded that song, Sweet Things, out of dark places? And she looked at me, and she said, Preacher, we don't like to talk about dark places. We don't like to talk about those times in our life where, as David writes, life is overwhelming. We, we love to talk in the broad terms the, that you're going to face storms, that you're going to face trials, that you're going to face tribulations. We get it. We know it. But when you get down to the rubber meets the road and you're standing beside the grave of a loved one, or when you are standing in the doctor's office and the doctor comes in and shakes his head and says, I am so sorry. There is nothing else we can do. When you're standing in front of a marriage that's falling apart. When you're standing in front of children that are walking away. When you're standing in front of your boss and he says, I'm so sorry. Here's the pink slip. There's nothing else that I know to do. Those are the times when it feels like life is overwhelming. And if we're not careful, hear what I'm about to say, we will miss what God has for us in those dark places. We'll miss what God has for us. So I want to give you a, a message this morning that I'm just calling sweet things out of dark places. I would love to tell you that Kyla stole the title of the song from my sermon, but it's actually the other way around. Because here's the truth story behind it all, folks. Here's one promise I'm going to make to you. You're going to face them. Some of you are probably facing them right now. You're facing situations and circumstances that just seem overwhelming. Maybe you've talked about them. Maybe you haven't, but you know it. Some of you have gone through them. You can stand back now and say, look what God was doing. And if you've not been in one of those two, hold on, you'll get there. I promise you, you'll get there. So there are three things that I want to encourage you to look at with me this morning. Number one, I want you to note with me the realities of these dark places. If you'll go back, we're looking at 1 Samuel now. That's where we'll spend most of the time this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 22. Scripture says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And it's that first clause, the cave of Adullam, that I want us to focus on. Because in those dark cave experiences, I want you to note with me that there is unquestionably sorrow. There's unquestionably sorrow. David has been brought to the point where he is at the absolute bottom of life. He would talk about these experiences this time in other psalms as well. He's hurting, he's broken, and he's defeated. 
I want to remind you, church, this is the crown prince of Israel. He's married to Abigail, the king's daughter. He's been anointed already, declared to be the next king of Israel. But he's not sleeping in a palace. He's not laying in the bed beside the princess. He's not having his food brought to him as you would expect a crown prince to be. This is a king to be who is running, who is hiding, who is hurting, who is full of sorrow. I'll pause a moment and say, church, and listen to the word choice that I'm making this morning. For every one of us, there are times in our life that are ordained of God to be like this. There are times in our life that are not accidental. They're not punishment. God is not punishing us. Don't misunderstand me. I believe God will get our attention any way he needs to. And certainly he will use life to do it. But I believe with all of my heart there are times in our life that are ordained of God because he has something he needs to show us that can only be experienced in dark places. There's a lot that we miss. Please listen to what I'm about to say. I love the mountaintop. I love it when the bills are paid and the kids are healthy and there's a little bit of money at the end of the month instead of the other way around. I love it when that happens. But will you hear me this morning? If we live there all along, we would never get to experience those things that are only experienced in the dark places of life for the child of God. I'm going to pause a moment and ask your indulgence as I share with some of you for the first time what was the darkest place in my life. Some of you are going, oh, when you buried your mother. Nope. I, I, would, I mean, that was for anybody. It's hard to bury your mama. But your, my mama made up her mind. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have to do that. You know, the doctor comes in that morning. All of you know this and says, uh, Miss Hodges, the cancer has spread. Uh, it's in your brain. It's in your lungs. It's in your liver. It's in your stomach. Here's all the treatments we're going to do. And in her most southern genteel way, my mother looked up from the bed and said, No, thank you. I'm done. I'm going home. The doctor looked at my mom and said, Miss Hodges, I'm so sorry. You'll not be able to go home. And my mama said, You don't know the home I'm talking about. I'm going home. That was hard, but there was nothing compared to what we went through in 2000. I knew when I wrote this down, I'd never get through it. In 2005 and 2006, I started pastoring at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in 2001. Mother's Day, they voted me in in 2001. Fifty-five precious folks voted us in to be pastor. In four years, our church had exploded in growth. In the years 2004 and 2005, we went from 55 to over 200. We had 17 Sundays in a row during the year 2004 where somebody got saved or a family joined the church. 17 Sundays. I was staggered at what God was doing. I was teaching third grade. I was pastoring. I, we had two little kids, both of whom in diapers. We were broke as a four o'clock mouse, but we were loving it. Amen. And then I started getting some pain in my stomach. And the pain got a little worse, a little worse, a little worse. Finally, we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, let's check out a few things. Check out your gallbladder. So we did the gallbladder check, and it wasn't producing correctly. So the gallbladder was taken out, and that felt great for about two months. But then the pain came back with a vengeance. I don't mean I was hurting. I mean I was non-functional. 
every time I ate, I was overwhelmed with pain. So then we did a heart test, thinking that was it. I was in decent shape then. Don't laugh. Don't say amen. But we did the heart stress test. Nothing. And I'm eating less. I'm eating less. I'm losing weight. I'm eating, I'm, I'm eating soup, and I'm overwhelmed with pain. Finally, we go to the uh, GI doctor. He's out for the day. He's sick, so the PA sees me. Get nothing accomplished. Don't mean that any disrespect, but she says, I don't know what this is. I can't figure this out. So I come back six weeks later, and I can barely keep food down. The pain has become much more, if you get my drift. Finally, by this time, I have lost so much weight. Some of you remember, I weighed 165 pounds. I look at the pictures now and I think, oh my gosh, you looked awful. Our church was so kind. I was trying to keep them from knowing what was going on. I didn't want to talk about myself. I never, the only ones I talked to were the deacons. But you can't hide a weight loss of 50 pounds and somebody not know what's going on. So finally, I got diagnosed with a very rare pancreas disease, chronic non-alcoholic, idiopathic pancreatitis, a huge word or phrase, which was described to me and to my wife as your pancreas is devouring itself. It's turning to stone and it's eating itself up. And we did all kinds of testing. We figured out what happened, why it was happening, And I'm on this intense regimen. At one point, I was on 70 pills a day. Every time I would eat, 10, 12 pills, 10, 12 pills. Some of you remember the attacks that I would have. God is my witness. There were times when we had a door over here at Amazing Grace. I would go outside and throw up and come back in the pulpit and preach. Because it's just just the reality. My college was so kind to me, they put a, they, 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 they put a couch in my office. Because I'd go teach for an hour, and I'd go sleep for an hour. <clears throat> Here's where it got really bad for me. And I hope you'll indulge me. This is where I got really sorrowful. I had a really, really bad attack. I ended up in Baptist Hospital. The doctors came in, and because it was such a rare condition uh, there and and baptist is a teaching hospital all of these interns and all of these medical students would come in because they had thousands it got to the point where my wife would say i'm he's not answering i am what questions do you have i'll answer doctors came in and handed me a sheet of paper no it wasn't even a doctor it was a nurse a nurse came in late in the evening handed me a sheet of paper, all the things that I could expect, everything that was going on, and down at the bottom, it said, life expectancy, three to five years. Three to five years. I remember grabbing the paper and folding it up because I didn't want Renee to see it. Forgetting who it was I was married to. The moment I tried to it, she grabbed it out of my hands and she reads it. And I looked at her and I said, I don't want you to say this to anybody. We're not telling the kids. We're not telling mom and daddy. 
we're not telling the church. We're not telling anybody. She looked at me and she said, fine, but you're not quitting. You're not. You are not going to lay here and take this as gospel. Now, my wife has got more faith than any person I've ever met, including me. She looked at me and she said, those doctors are not your God. Those surgeons are not the ones who can touch you. We are not quitting. So I said, yes, ma'am. A lot of you know this story. Gosh, I don't mean the message to be a story, but hear me this morning. The church so graciously purchased a plane ticket for me and Renee to go to the University of Minnesota. Because that was one of two doctors in the world who could operate on this condition. It was a radical surgery, even by today's standards. This was 2005, so nearly 15 years ago. Radical surgery. Cut you open, remove the pancreas. Remove the pancreas. Harvest the islet cells that produce insulin. Try to put them back into the liver, uh, venal liver, in, uh, the vein that connects to the liver in hopes that they will begin to reproduce because otherwise you've just taken one problem for another. As we're standing there talking to the doctor in Minnesota, I'm thinking, okay, super, this is going to be another gallbladder surgery. He said, Mr. Hodges, please sit down. He said, you need to know this is a 20-hour procedure. You will be here in the hospital for two months. Then we ask all patients to stay in Minnesota, Minneapolis, for four months because we check on you every day. And after six months, if you're doing okay, we'll release you. I have to tell you on the, the plane ride back, the only thing I could think of is, what about my church? What about my job? I'm the only breadwinner. What about my family? What about my kids? And my wife, being the woman of faith that she is, says, God will take care of that. God will take care of that. We're going to worry about you. God will take Can I pause a moment and tell you that in that moment of sorrow, I didn't have that kind of faith. Oh, I hope you don't look at me negatively. I didn't have the faith in that moment. Because all I could see was the things that I couldn't fix. All I could look at were the things that I just lost control over. And she said, stop worrying. God will take care of it. Little did I know how right she was. Because sorrow, if you go back into your text, very quickly gives way to suffering. Sorrow gave way to suffering. David learns in verse number one that he is not able to lean on his family. He's not able to lean on his finances. He's not able to lean on his uh, uh, friends. He's not able to lean on his fame. He's not able to lean on the future. Everything that David held dear was gone. It's just him and God. Can I say that again? It gets to the point where it's just him and God. <clears throat> I'm not proud of what I'm about to tell you, but I remember the moment having thrown my guts up 
outside of Amazing Grace Baptist Church. Renee goes and gets the deacons and said, he's not going to be able to do it today. I'm in my office. I'm crying. I'm 35 years old. And I'm falling apart. And I remember in my office and I said, God, I cannot do this. I can't pastor this church. It's not fair to these people. It's not fair to my children. It's not fair to my wife. It's not fair to my employer. I cannot do this. And then I learned about sweet things in dark places. I don't mean to tell you that I heard an audible voice, but I will tell you that almost as clearly as I'm speaking to you now, the Lord brought to my mind, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Like I heard the Lord say to me, you are exactly right. You can't, but I can. You are exactly right. The doctors can't, but I can You are exactly right. You can't handle any of this. But I can. And I wish I could tell you that I sprung up from my step and just put a tie on and went back and preached. I cried and I moaned and I whined. I felt a whole lot sorry for myself. But then something incredible happened. I want you to go back to your text because I want you to see it. You see, what was without a doubt... The reality of the dark place becomes very quickly the refreshments of the dark place. You see, while David is there, his family comes to see him. I want to remind you that this is the family, the father that had rejected him. This is the brothers that had said, David, he's the run of the family. But now he's in his darkest place and little by little, the family begins to come back and see him. Can I, can I tell you, my message this morning is sharing with you a little bit about my, my testimony. But I have witnessed people endure some of the most catastrophic experiences imaginable. I have witnessed. I've sat in that office and at the office at Amazing Grace. I've been at the phone. I've been at the hospital bed. And I have witnessed people endure the unimaginable. And some of them, quite candidly, have crippled under the load. And some of them have fallen apart, and, and as I did for a while, and sunk into a pit. But then there are those who seem to reach into a deep place where the Spirit of God dwells. And they rise to the challenge. And they tap into a source of strength that they did not know they had. And I've come to realize it is not them. It's the Spirit of God that dwells in them. One of my favorite authors says this. It's not the storms you weather that define you, but it's the way you weather your storms that define you. She goes on to say that pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. After the family come the followers. Little by little, individuals uh, that had been experiencing the taxation uh, of Saul begin to make their way to David. They hear that he's there. They find out that he's there. And these people that are debtors, uh, these people uh, that are distressed, these people that are discontented, they make their way to the cave uh, and they look at David and say, we know what you're going through. Will you lead us? Will you help us? Can I pause a moment and say, I cannot help but think if David was saying, I can't lead myself right now, how can I lead you? 
But at some point in this journey, David, I think, makes the discovery that he wasn't here by accident, that God brought him here. Can I say that again? He wasn't there by accident. It was God that brought him here. Second verse of Kyla's song says, I brought you to this dark valley just to show you my glory. I don't know about you, but that staggers my mind. I, I, God, brought you to this dark valley just to show you my glory. The last clause of that, oh, how sweet is the darkness when our Father is near. Point number three this morning, the realities of the dark places, the refreshments of the dark places, and finally, the revelations. Here's what I'm astounded by this morning. When all of this is said and done, there are 400 people that have made their way to David. They become David's mighty men. (laughs) David walks into that cave depressed, discouraged, despondent. He walks out of that cave, the king of Israel. David walks into that cave in misery. He walks out of that cave and he's got 400 people following behind him saying, we'll follow you wherever you go, king. I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say David wasn't in that cave by accident. So here's my little story. Three to five year life expectancy. Didn't tell mama. Didn't tell daddy. Didn't tell the kids. Didn't tell the church. Only thing I, some of you remember the Sunday morning, I stood up in the pulpit and said, here's what I have. Because I'd not told anybody. Some folks thought I had cancer. I got at, do you have leukemia? I said, I, I, I got even asked, do you have Hodgkin's lymphoma? Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, because that's what it looked like. I said, I have a really bad case of Hodges disease. But here's what I really have. And I stood up there and I said, there will be some times, and I went through all of it. There will be this and there will be that. But here's my promise. If it gets to the point where it's really I can't handle it, I will step down. And some of you deacons remember the Sunday morning when I gathered you in the office and said, I don't know that I can do this. And you looked at me and said, preacher, we're behind you. We support you. We are not going to turn our back on you because you've not turned your back on us. And then there came the visit to the doctor. (laughs) There was a... Uh, A benefit concert that Pam and Charlie had put together to help pay for the expenses of the surgery. I mean, I I was blown away by this. Then there was a visit to the doctor. When Dr. Raymond, who is my my GI doctor, looked at me and said, Your numbers look better. And he said, I'm not sure this surgery is a good idea for you. Well, I'm just going to tell you, that's all I needed. (laughs) My wife exploded. She was livid. Probably probably the angriest she's ever been at me. (laughs) I won't tell you what exchanged between us, (laughs) but it won't purdy. (laughs) Fifteen years later, Three to five year life expectancy is a distant memory. 
Now, don't misunderstand me. I still have the disease. I still take the medicine every time I eat. Every once in a while, I'll have an attack. Two years ago, we were driving to church. And for the first time in seven years, I had to pull over to get sick. You didn't know about it. You didn't know about it. I stood up and preached that morning. It's still there. But I'm not 165 pounds. And most days, I don't even know I've got the disease. And here's what I do know. In the darkest moment of my life, I found that the Lord is so sweet. And can I be blunt with you? I I mean this with total candor and love. I don't think I'd have ever known it had I not gotten to that place. I would have never known how good you got to get really low before you realize how deep God will go to be there with you. Sweet things out of dark places. Heavenly light where once it was dim. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Very different kind of message on a Sunday morning. I I get it. I fought with the Lord all week long about it, candidly. So I'm going to ask you, because I just believe with all of my heart, whenever this kind of message the Lord gives me, I, I can't help but think if it's not for somebody. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking. If you're here today and you're facing some of those overwhelming moments of life, places where you're just not sure which way to turn, where you just don't have the solution, the answer where it just seems like this just doesn't make sense. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because I see a lot of folks wiping tears. Won't you step out right now? Come on. Who cares who's looking? Come on. All over the all over the building. Come on. Come on. Come on. All over. Situations, circumstances, trials. Got the best of you. That makes sense. Won't you come on this morning? Now, with nobody looking, I'm going to ask you a second question. You should be honest. Now, nobody looking. Preacher, I'm not even sure of my salvation. Not sure I'm even going to heaven. Pray for me. Anybody like that this morning? Pastor, pray for me. Brother Ken, sing us a verse. Just one verse. Would you sing and would you pray where you are? Come on this morning. I want to know him better. I
it if you know it. Out of dark place. Heavenly light. second verse for me, buddy. Come sweet things from him. Listen. And if, if I, I am, broken, am broken, these words will be spoken. These words will be spoken. Precious words. Precious words that I may never have had the privilege, had the privilege to I brought you to this dark valley. Sing it, buddy. I brought you to this dark valley. Just to show you Just my glory. Just to show you my glory. Oh, how sweet. Oh, how sweet. Yeah, man. for us, buddy. Don't forget tonight, ladies, right over here, five minutes. Tonight, six o'clock, I want a graduation, a special conversation with the church. Pray for us, Brother Ken. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this special message. God, as preachers, oftentimes, it's not easy to preach about ourselves. But God, through our testimony, Lord, you can use it as a light to other folks to show people that we're real, too. God, I pray, Lord, that this message touched heart today. Touched a lot of hearts. God, we don't like those dark times. But Father, how well we know that that's when we learn life's lessons. God, you speak to us more in the dark times than when we're on in mountaintops. God, we sure do look to you more then. Father, I pray for every person here today. God, everybody's going through a battle with something. Father, I pray, Lord, you'd bless them today. God, may we never forget, Lord, that you're always there for us in the midst of the storm. You're there walking on the water. You're calming the seas. God, you're so good to us all. God, we're so undeserving of the precious love you've given us. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, the blood that was shed there to save everyone from their sins. God, you're so good. Father, thank you for today. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. No choir.